we have been in process of reviewing the natural attributes of God before taking up the last moral attribute under the question, what do we know about the faithfulness of God from the Bible? We have seen that an attribute of God is simply something that is true concerning the nature of God. A natural attribute is some characteristic that is necessarily true. It does not involve any choice of will and is therefore to be distinguished from moral attributes, which do involve moral choice. The natural attributes of God are considered to be fourfold, eternity, omnipresence, omniscience, and omnipotence. We were in process of reviewing the matter of the knowledge of God. There must be nothing knowable that God does not know. But after extensive Bible study on this question, it is felt that the theological idea that God is without succession in his being or without a chronology of events in his essential nature, and therefore that every single thought and action that he shall ever take and every such action of all men throughout endless ages of eternity are now present in his mind definitely lacks proof. God is said to have repented or changed his mind as new situations arose in men's actions. Then other passages tend in the direction that all events that shall ever happen are not now known to God. While no Bible passage plainly says that every future action is known to God. We had come to the New Testament and were considering the call of Judas as a true disciple of the Lord and the sending him forth as an apostle with all the training effort that was bestowed upon him. In Mark chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, we were reading the reasons for Christ's choice of the apostles. It was first that they should be with him. Certainly the Lord would not choose an unrepentant sinner to be with him. Then the second reason given is that he might send them forth to preach. If he would burden himself and other eleven apostles with an unrepentant sinner in the inner circle, most certainly he would not send such an insincere hypocrite forth to preach to others. This would be a travesty upon men's souls. In Mark chapter 6, verses 7 to 12, we read that the twelve were sent forth with authority, and they went out and preached that men should repent. Can you imagine the lowly and tender-hearted Savior, who out of his weeping heart would not cast before men the least occasion of stumbling, sending forth an unrepentant sinner to preach that men should repent? Our sense of reverence and of justice cries out against such an idea. No such thing could ever be done by the lowly Savior, to be sure. Then, as they were sent forth two by two, it would certainly have been a great injustice to the companion of Judas to send along a so-called co-worker who was not a friend at all, but an enemy in sheep's clothing. But if it is not clinched already that Judas was a saved man and a true disciple of Christ when sent forth on this holy mission, it certainly will have to be now on the basis of Christ's own words. 
One of the purposes he had in calling the twelve, we read in Mark chapter 3, verse 15, was to endue them with power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. They were so endued and went sent forth, they cast out many devils, we read in Mark chapter 6, verse 13. Jesus does not say that the eleven did this and that Judas did not, and was certainly too precise to make the general statement that he did make if it were not 100% true. So we must certainly believe that Judas was active in casting out devils. But according to our Lord's own words, it is impossible for one endued by Satan to cast out Satan, as recorded in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 26. Thus we are driven to the conclusion that Judas was a humble disciple of the Lord and was endued with the Holy Spirit for this mission, as was Jesus, as recorded in Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. Later on we are told that then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. As recorded in Luke chapter 22, verse 3, he had rejected the last tender pleadings of his Savior to return from his backslidings and had now been given up in apostasy. But other things are said by the Lord concerning the twelve that would charge the master with inaccuracy of statement or deceitfulness if Judas was not reconciled to God at that time. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 13, our Lord spoke of the peace of heart of the twelve which they were to bestow upon worthy households. If men did not receive them, they had authority to shake off the dust of their feet, which would add to their judgment. They would do right in rejecting Judas if he was Satan's companion, and God would be wrong in adding to their judgment for that which was right. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves, said Jesus. Was this fully true or not? Was Jesus sending forth eleven sheep and one wolf, we may ask? He could not have been mistaken, for he knew what was in men, we are told, and he certainly would not misrepresent so important a classification. In verse 20 we read, For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. Now we ask, who was speaking through Judas? Jesus said, the spirit of your father. But if God was not his father through reconciliation, then by our Lord's definition, there was only one other source, as recorded in John chapter 8, verse 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts or desires of your father ye will do. Who will say that Judas was unsaved here? and was allowed to substitute the message of his father for the true message of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely unthinkable. But down in verse 25, our Lord referred to the house of Beelzebub, or of Satan, and to them of his household. Contrasted to this is his disciples and their master, and then he tells them not to fear them, but God only. Thus we have a clear-cut distinction between the apostles and the household of Beelzebub. In verse 22, Jesus spoke 
of men's hate of them for their faithfulness, and then said, He that endureth to the end shall be saved, which Judas did not do. In verse 40, our Lord Jesus positively identified himself with the twelve he was sending forth. There we read these the tremendous words. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Those who received them would receive him at the same time, and also the Father. Such identification would be utterly impossible with an insincere hypocrite who was intimately exposed to the holy things of the Lord Jesus, but rejected them at close range. Now in view of these overwhelming facts, and in view of our Lord's express purpose in calling forth the twelve, so that they might be his peculiar witnesses after his departure, for which they were to be prepared by his special training, it is affirmed that here we have an important evidence of the non-foreknowledge of God. If the treachery and worthlessness of the life of Judas had been foreknown, he would not have been chosen as one of the Holy Twelve Apostles, since he frustrated the painstaking efforts of the Lord Jesus Christ and thwarted the divine purpose in his selection. Certainly Judas' treachery had no important place in the great procedures of the atonement of Christ. Except this simple explanation and very grave problems evaporate and leave a tragic reality for our example. Only one more instance will be cited. In Mark chapter 13 verse 32 it is asserted that the day of the Lord's return in judgment is not known by the Son. But of that day and of that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Then in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36 we read these words, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. By the addition of this word only it is revealed that it is unknown by the Holy Spirit likewise. In Acts chapter 1 verse 7 we see that this knowledge is a matter of authority on the part of the Father and not a matter of mere knowledge or power. In 1 Corinthians 11.3 we have the order of authority in the Godhead set forth that the Father is in the place of headship. If the whole matter be viewed in the light of authority that the Father will decide just when these events are going to be and not a matter of mere knowledge, then the Son and the Holy Spirit do not know of this event simply because it has not been decided as yet. Thus neither the Son nor the Holy Spirit are in any way deficient in factual knowledge when they could not be persons of the Godhead if they were deficient. After very full and extensive examination of the Bible on this great theme of the foreknowledge of God, all we say is this, that there are enough biblical arguments entrenched in the text to justify one in rejecting the tremendous dogma that has come into wide acceptance in recent centuries, that God now knows every thought and action of will that he shall ever take throughout the endless ages of eternity 
and also knows all of those of his moral creatures and every iota affected thereby. This, it appears, lacks proof, and to say the least, should be postponed to that future world where we consider all questions, not as those who see through a glass darkly, but as those who see face to face. Then we shall know, even as we are known. In the meantime, let us avoid these immense speculations which involve the mind in weights which it cannot carry. And be like Jesus, who in his youth said, I must be about my Father's business, as recorded in Luke chapter 2 and verse 49. We shall go on to the consideration of the omnipotence of God at our next meeting. Our Heavenly Father, with gratefulness of heart, do we come to thee, thanking thee for thy word and its profound simplicity, thanking thee that as we humbly with prayerful hearts uh, read it and ponder its very statements, that thou dost deliver us from many complications of mind which we cannot bear and which many in ages past have not been able to bear. Thus we thank thee for the simplicity of thy truth. And now we pray that many may repent of all sin and through faith in the death of Jesus for their sins be forgiven and reconciled to thee. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.